Let me just say hi from me. My name's Tom and I'm one of the elders here as well and going to be speaking to you from the Bible in just a few minutes time. But because we are now in September, uh, I want to just spend some time just uh, getting us ready for this big move that Tim has alluded to already uh, because we only, after today, we only have two more Sundays in this building which is like crazy that's come around and um, many of you have been part of this church for uh, all the time that we've been in this building and there's been many special moments for you here. Uh, some have just been here for a matter of weeks, uh, but it's a big deal for us that uh, we're on this move and uh, I want to just spend a few minutes just kind of help us uh, kind of get our heads around the various different things that we're doing uh, as we get ready to move. Um, firstly, I just want to enlist your prayers um, I've been over at our new building uh, this week over at the Hope Center and lots of exciting stuff is happening. Uh, the building's looking amazing. There's still quite a bit to do in these next three weeks. So can I ask you to pray and uh, pray for Matt Cornish who's um, heading up the project there. Pray for the contractors that are involved. Pray that things get done. Uh, pray that uh, uh, contractors honor their commitments, that things arrive when they're due to arrive. Please pray. Uh, we really do need to get this over the line now in prayer. Uh, we're really thrilled with though, the progress that's being made. And uh, we're very confident that um, we'll be ready to move in uh, on the 24th of September, which will be a Friday evening. Now, I need to let you know that we've had a hiccup with the chairs. We ordered a bunch of chairs, 700 chairs, and because of supply chain issues, we now won't have them for our opening. But fear not, we're going to take some of these chairs with us. We're also borrowing uh, some chairs from another church. So just when you thought you could get rid of these blue chairs, they're going to be around for a few more weeks still. Um, but that's okay, and then in, sometime in October we'll have some lovely new chairs to sit on. Um, but the 24th of September, um, some of you will have received an email about this this weekend. I shared a little bit about this last week as well. We really do want to invite you to come along and celebrate with us. So whether you're a member of Hope Church or whether you're part of the family, you're coming along regularly amongst us on Sundays, we'd love you to be there. It's going to be a great evening of celebration. Uh, we're going to worship, we're going to pray, we've got cake and uh, we're also going to be hearing um, from Terry Virgo, who is the founder of the, the wider family of churches, New Frontiers, that we're part of now, a couple of thousand churches across the globe. And I know that Terry's going to really encourage us. So it's going to be a great night. We'd really like families to bring their children along. Okay, so we're going to have doors opening at about 5.45. Our time together will start at 6.30 up in the main auditorium. Uh, and it will finish at about 8.30. Now, if you don't think your children will last that long, that's fine. But if they could join us at least for uh, the first half, we'd be really thrilled because this is a celebration for our whole family uh, that we mark this occasion together. Um, it's going to be a special, special night. Now, that's our plans for us as a family. But what I want to tell you about now is our plan for our uh, more public launch, as it were. So we're going to be gathering on Sundays from the 26th of September, and our service time will be 10.30 a.m. Okay, so for the 9.30 crew, that's nice. They get an extra hour to get ready. For us who come here, and it's 11.30 service, it does mean getting up that bit earlier. I'm sure you can do it. I believe in you guys. We can do it. We can do 10.30, can't we? We can do this. So 10.30 will be our service time in the new building and we will be gathering on Sundays from the 26th of September onwards. Uh, but we feel that we need to get a few weeks under our belts, as it were, before we kind of have a public launch. We know that there will be guests amongst us from the, from the get-go. That's, you know, we can't hide the fact that we're moving into uh, 
a new building right in the center of the town. But we do want to kind of give ourselves a bit of time to uh, understand what it's like having hundreds of people in the building, working out what it's like, signing children in and so on. And so we've taken the decision to have a more public launch, as it were, on the 17th of October. That's what we're going to be kind of saying in terms of to the media and on our social media channels and so on. Uh, we're going to be putting things out there. We've got the media kind of knocking on our door regularly saying, when are you opening? Um, local radio, local papers and so on, BBC, um, asking, when are you going to be opening? We're going to be saying our opening Sunday will be the 17th of October, okay? But we will be, just want to make this really clear so you're all aware, we will be gathering from the 26th of September at the Hope Centre. And as I say, we expect to have guests amongst us from the get-go, so let's all have our hospitality radar switched on to welcome people. Maybe you want to make extra food uh, for lunch and so people can come over and uh, just spontaneously you can invite people. Um, but we, we are going to make our public launch, as it were, the 17th of October. And we're going to be having quite a few baptisms that day, which is really exciting. Um, and uh, just a, a wonderful picture of what we're all about, really, of new life, of freedom from the past, of uh, now centered on Jesus. It's, this is, you know, a, a fantastic picture. So people who are amongst us on the 17th will have a really uh, helpful understanding of who we are and what we're all about. We're going to be creating some graphics for our social media channels, so Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We're going to have things going on these networks so that you can like and share them on and invite people. I think between us as a church, we probably have a reach of thousands and thousands of people. And uh, you know, if you just share these things on and invite people to come and, uh, and visit at some point in our first uh, few months, we've got a real opportunity there. Our... Uh, series of messages uh, from the get-go in the new building will be called Surprised by God, and it's all about who God is, what he's like, and uh, it will be really helpful for people who are new to the faith. Maybe you're in that situation today. Um, be helpful for people who are new to faith to understand what God's like, but I know as well it's going to really inspire us to worship and build us up uh, who are Christians. So let's take hold of the opportunity we have, friends. We've got a huge opportunity ahead of us uh, to say to people, hey, why don't you come and uh, check out what we're all about. As we go into Christmas as well, there'll be more opportunities too. So we're excited. And today, my message is kind of helping us get ready for that. So it's, I guess in some ways, it's like a team talk before we go out uh, onto the pitch, as it were. Um, I know that it's going to be very helpful to you as well if you don't know Jesus, if you've got no faith. So please do uh, stick with us. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn there. Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 35 to 38. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So today's message is called Harvest Time. And uh, it's quite apt because it is harvest time in our nation right now. And the context is that Jesus is going around from village to village, from town to town, He's preaching the good news about a kingdom, 
about a king and a kingdom that people can be a part of. And he's preaching to people who are, who are under the oppression of another kingdom. They're under the oppression of Rome and uh, they did not treat uh, the, the, the people well. And he's preaching about the good news about a new kingdom where there's life in all its fullness, where there's healing and wholeness and forgiveness. And he's healing every kind of illness and disease. That's the context. And wherever he goes, a little bit like a politician who's maybe traveling the country before a big election, he's getting to hear people's stories. He's getting to see what life is like for them. He's surveying the land and his reaction is one of deep compassion. He is so moved by the, the helpless situation that people find themselves in. He's, he's touched to the very core of who he is with compassion. He's moved within. He's not afraid of people. He's not kind of standoffish from them. No, no, he is really, really moved within. And he knows that there are, there are people there who are like sheep without a shepherd. That's the words he uses. These are people who are like sheep that have, are just wandering really into all kinds of trouble and danger and misery. And that he knows that there's some people in the nation who were supposed to be the shepherds of the nation. There's these guys called the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time. They were supposed to be like the shepherds of the nation. They were supposed to, to point people to God and care for people and help them grow in what it means to know God. And yet he sees that these, these people are not really being shepherds at all. They're being far from it, in fact. And he has some very strong words for them. If we read in Matthew chapter 23, this is what he says about them in verses 4 to 7. He says, don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. And he says, what sorrow, in verse 13, he says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. He, he really went to town with the Pharisees. He really uh, took them on in a big way. He, he describes them as like cups that are clean on the outside, but on the inside, there's all this kind of dried coffee, and it's really horrible. He, he talks about them being like coffins that look very pretty on the outside, but inside, they're dead. They're corpses. He really had big issues with the religious leaders because they weren't being the shepherds of the nation that they should have been. And so Jesus looks upon his, his nation and he sees that they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're confused and helpless and he is moved with compassion within. He's really devastated to see their plight. He sees that there's these Pharisees who kind of just make up all these extra rules so as to block people out from the kingdom of God, so as to say to them, you're not as good as us, and they look down on people. He's seeing that these people have got no hope. They've got no hope in this life because they're, they're sort of oppressed by the Romans. They've got no hope for eternity either because they feel miserable. They feel like we're never going to reach the, the standards of the Pharisees. There's no hope. There's no good news. But note something here that Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't say to the crowds, Hey, you're all really good people. 
He doesn't say to them, he doesn't massage their ego and say, no, you're, you're, you're really good within, you know, you are enough, you, you've, you've got it. No, no, he, he doesn't praise them. He doesn't claim them to be good, but he does have deep compassion because he knows their situation. He knows that they're confused and helpless and he, he yearns for them. That word compassion is like a, a, with, a, a yearning within. He's re- moved to the core of who he is because of their plight. And then he describes them in this really curious way. He describes them as like a harvest, like a field that's ready for harvest time. Now, what does that mean? How, like, what does he mean when he describes the thousands of people in the crowds as like fields ready for harvest? Well, I think there's two things that he's getting at. Firstly, the obvious one is that it's, there's, there's plenty of people there. There's thousands of people in this situation. He sees that there are many, many people who are without hope, who are directionless and confused. That was the, the case in the first century. Let me tell you very clearly, it's the case in the 21st century as well. One of the phrases that winds me up the most is when someone says, hey, come on, get with the times. It's the 21st century. Let's not be middle age about this. No, listen, that just betrays the fact that people think that we are we're at the height of sophistication, that we've reached some pinnacle of uh, humanity. No, no, we are in our society hopelessly lost, just like these people were. There are thousands and thousands, millions and millions of people who are confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd in 21st century Britain right now. It's not the case that we can look back and say, well, life really is much better now, much more fulfilled now than it was in the first century. So much is better in some ways, healthcare and science, technology. I can FaceTime someone in Mexico, you know, and it's like amazing. But there are people, millions of people with depression and all kinds of anxiety and misery and and searching for hope in all the wrong places, getting caught up in all kinds of stuff. This is going on today. There's such confusion. I was speaking with a friend just five or six days ago and he doesn't believe in God. He's a lovely guy. I really have a lot of time for him. And he was saying to me, though, that he, um, he now drinks quite regularly. He was being really honest about it. He says, I drink quite regularly to forget the fact that life is all, is all meaningless. He's actually very consistent because he doesn't believe in God. And so his, his acknowledgement is actually consistent. He says, there is no meaning in life. There is no hope beyond this life. There is no glory. There is nothing beyond the physical. He's actually really consistent. And yet he knows from time to time that kind of emptiness that comes with that. What, what is this all about? And so he told me, I, I drink to escape that. And he's really brutally honest about it. I actually applaud his honesty because, friends, if we're really honest, maybe you're here today and you think, I don't, I don't think there's a God. If that is true, then there is no meaning to life. There is no glory. There is no hope beyond the suffering that we know in this life. There is no, there's nothing beyond the physical. Everything is just, we're just slaves to our DNA. That's what's going on if there's no God. And as the Bible says, we, we might as well just eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. If that's true, we might as well be like my friend and just get drunk. Don't clip that out of the sermon and just kind of make that, take that out of context. I know that some of you do that. But listen, that's, that's the reality. If there's, if there's no God, there's no hope, there's no meaning, there's no purpose. It's just make of it what you will. And there are millions of people, there's a great harvest, as it were, who know no 
hope, who know no meaning. And listen, if you know Jesus, you know that there is meaning. You know that there is purpose. You know that there is glory. You know that there is uh, hope beyond the grave. You know this. You, you carry something that is so precious. You might think, I don't really have much to bring to the party here. Listen, if you know Jesus, you're carrying something that is so precious in a world that really needs to know that there is hope. There is life. Life in all its fullness. There is. And you know it. And you know it deep within. And no one can take that away from you. And so Jesus describes the people before him as like sheep without a shepherd, hopeless and confused. Listen, we know the shepherd. If you know Jesus, you know the shepherd. You know that there is truth. There is ultimate reality. There is comfort. There is glory. And friends, today I, I just I want to hold up to us this fact. I want to hold, hold up to us the fact that we're in a town of tens of thousands of people who are hurting deeply and who may actually have a respectable life on the outside some of them do not some of them there's no trying to hide it some of them try to hide it but you peel back the layers and there's despair and there's hopelessness friends we've got the answer we carry something that is so precious that is so needed and I I don't believe that for one minute God has given us this new building in the center of town so that we can have one service there and just have a big jolly every Sunday. Like I'm, I'm glad for the fact that for a time we're going back to one service. We've had five and a half years of two services and if you've served on teams, you'll know it's hard work. It's tiring. So I'm glad for a time for one service. But I don't think God's just finishing with us there. It might be that there's more services in the future. It might be that there's more locations in the future. I know that he's going to send people on from this place to plant churches in other towns and cities and nations. That's going to happen. I don't think it's going to look like us getting ever increasingly bigger buildings. It's not like the Regent Theatre and then Portman Road. I don't think that's going to happen, guys. Okay? But God's got big things for us. He's not, he's not got a hold of us just so we can have a jolly in, in a nice building every Sunday. He's got big things for us. There's a great harvest before us. And I want to ask this, are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? Are, we, are our hearts prepared for that? Are we ready to welcome people in? So the first reason I believe Jesus describes the people before him like a big field ready for harvest is because there's many people. And secondly, it's because I think Jesus sees that the harvest is really valuable and that people are highly valuable to him. People are really valuable to him. Jesus isn't talking about blades of grass here. He's talking about big sheaves of wheat. And, and 95% of us are so far removed from the whole process of farming that we, this just completely, this whole illustration falls flat. Whereas Jesus' time, they got this. They understood harvest and how important it was. There's probably like 20 people in the church here who have the first idea about farming. Uh, the, the most I know from farming is watching Jeremy Clarkson's farm, all right? Yeah, which some of you have enjoyed. Uh, listen, I've got from that that the harvest is really precarious. Like, any th- like one small thing could happen and a whole crop could be ruined. It could be really, uh, really very uh, tricky indeed. And, and we don't celebrate the harvest like people used to do in this country. 
I, I, I will go to the shop and I'll say, Sarah, what do we need? She said, can you pick up some bread and some milk? I don't think for a minute about the work that's gone into that. I just pick it up and I come home and put it in the toaster, the bread, not the milk. I put the bread in the toaster and that's all I think about. I think I'm hungry, I'm going to eat some bread. I don't think for a minute that this process has been really precarious. It could have gone wrong at any minute and that hundreds of years ago, in fact, probably as little as 100 years ago, the whole town would have rejoiced when the harvest came in. Like, just to illustrate this, uh, a great preacher from a uh, hundred or so years ago, a guy called Charles Spurgeon, he spoke on these verses. And just to help you understand what it was like in those days, he spoke on these verses and painted the picture that people are really valuable to God. This is what he said. Do we not, for this cause, gather in the harvest with shouting? Harvest time is always gladsome because we prize its sheaves. Much toil and care have been spent to secure the production of the harvest. And when the yellow fields wave before our eyes, we cannot despise them. We know that they are more precious than anything else that come up out of the earth. So it is to God and to Jesus God's Son. He did not look upon men of any sort as things to be despised. He would not have the least among them regarded with contempt. He knew the wisdom which was displayed in the creation of the fabric of their bodies and in the faculties of their souls. He knew how God takes delight in men, and how men who have gone astray, when they are restored, make the great Father's heart to leap within him with a joy which angels cannot give. Of all creatures under heaven, the most precious thing to God is mankind. He cares nothing for gems of the mine or pearls of the sea, but men he values so much that he gave his only begotten son to bleed and die that they might not perish but have everlasting life. The souls of the multitude are precious in the sight of the Lord, even as corn is precious to the farmer. Wow. Jesus is saying as, they, as he looks at the people before him, he's saying these people are precious to God. This is a great and precious harvest that is very valuable. And listen, the, the truth of human life being so valuable is being eroded in our society with ever increasingly liberal abortion laws and even in the discourse around climate change. And listen, I think we should look after the planet that God's given us. But more and more I hear things like, you know, humans are a stain on the earth and, you know, it would be better to not have children to help the climate and that somehow you know, having more children be bad for the environment. I don't believe that for a moment. I believe that human life is really precious to God. I believe that of all the creatures of all the, on all of the earth, mankind is the most precious to God. I believe that men and women are so valuable, and boys and girls are so valuable to God. The most precious thing to him on this planet. So Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, and that it's really, really valuable. So valuable. What does he need? He needs harvest workers. And this is where we come in. He's after a certain kind of worker, I believe. And I want to just share four things very quickly in the last 10 minutes that we have together. I believe he's seeking out workers who are full of faith. Who are full of faith. Who are, who are full of expectancy for what he's going to do. Listen, some of you will have come from churches that have withered and died. 
Some of you have come from churches that have split. Some of you will have just kind of thought, well, maybe the time for the church is up in the UK and it's now time for the global south or other nations. They're the ones experiencing revival. I believe God wants to reset some expectations today, that he wants to uh, fill us with faith again for a big work in this nation. I I really do believe that. Maybe you just know, that's me. I haven't really got high expectations. I believe he wants to reset some things today and let us look to him and be a church full of faith. we, We fix our eyes on the God of the immeasurably more. He can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And I believe that some of us, we need to do some imagining this week and in the weeks to come. We need to imagine what would it look like if there was a big move of God in our area and through this church and in our family of churches and beyond. Imagine that and know God can do immeasurably more than that. That we would be a church of faith. That we'd be a church of faith, friends. That's a big prayer of mine. A church of big expectations of God. I believe he's looking for workers who are full of faith. I believe that he's looking for workers who are compassionate. I want you to think about the worst smell that you can possibly think of. Just think of the, what's the, the, the smell that makes you gag? What is it? Don't have to shout out. We don't want anyone else to gag. What is the worst smell that you can think of? I can tell you that the, the thing that, for me, and I believe for the, Lord, for the Lord as well, there is nothing that smells worse than a professing Christian who looks down their nose at others in judgment. That looks upon others and think, they deserve that plight. That looks upon others and thinks, they can never get in on this. Nothing stinks more. Nothing stinks worse than Christians who look upon others in judgment. And we're all in danger of that, friends. We're in danger of that when we lose sight of the very thing that Mark was exhorting us to revel and rejoice in this morning. When we lose sight of, I didn't contribute anything to this. Jesus did it all. He rescued me. He poured out lavish love upon me. He forgave me. When we realize and remember that, we didn't contribute to that. Jesus did it all. Listen, friends, then we'll be soft-hearted and compassionate to others. But when we lose sight of that, when we think, whether we even kind of express it explicitly, when we think, I kind of deserved this. I was kind of a respectable person, and if anyone was going to be chosen by Jesus, it would probably be me. You may not even express it like that, friends, but when we start to lose sight of the outrageous grace of God on our lives, then we start looking at others, and we might have thoughts of judgment towards them. On Friday night, we had a program on, a TV program on, and there was someone on the screen uh, who was a drag queen. That was what they did for their job, I guess, and and there was a something, a check in my spirit. I just thought, oh, I don't want to watch this. I felt God say to me, I love that person. And does he need healing and forgiveness? Yes. I need healing and forgiveness. And I felt God say, you're not to just, you know, this man, I see him and I love him. And I want him to enter into my kingdom. I want him to know me. Friends, there's nothing that smells worse than a Christian who looks upon others and thinks they can never get in on this. 
We need to be those who revel in, who sing of the cross and the mercy of Jesus, who revel in his great grace for us. And as we do that, as we regularly do that, as we've done this morning, I love it when we're singing wholeheartedly, just going for it. As we revel in that, then we'll have soft hearts to people. And when we go to the shops or to work or to the football team or whatever we're doing, we're soft hearted. And we're listening out, Lord, who do you want to who do you want to speak to today? Who have you got? Who have you got that you want me to speak to? Workers who are full of compassion. Thirdly, workers who are focused on the mission. The mission, friends, is introducing lost, helpless, confused sheep to the good shepherd. That's the mission. It's taking the sheep to the good shepherd. Who, the one who says, I am the good shepherd and I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And no one takes my life away, I lay it down willingly. That's what Jesus did. And we introduce people who are lost and helpless and wandering to the good shepherd. That's the mission. We point people to Jesus. We make Jesus famous. This is all about him. And we've got to stay focused on the mission. Like we're going to be moving into this new building in a few weeks' time. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be, it's going to be great on that first night. We're going to have a party. But we mustn't lose sight of the mission. We mustn't lose sight of what we're here for. Everything we do, whether that's leading a football team or whether that's uh, running a soup kitchen or whether that's helping people with money advice or whether it's parent and toddler groups, whatever we do, it's underpinned by the great mission which is to point people to the good shepherd. Otherwise, we're just feeding lost sheep on their way to really dangerous valleys. I'm just saying, on you go. There will be opportunities and moments where God says, here you go, you can talk to, yeah, talk to them about me. There will be moments. Everything needs to be underpinned. Central is... The mission that Jesus has given us to go and teach people about him, teach people all that he taught, make disciples of him and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. We center our lives around that. It's not like we have other agendas and that comes in when we get a spare moment. No, no. Our life gets centered around that. So we keep it central, friends. And when we have this in mind, listen, our preferences are down here. His mission is up here. So when we go into the new building and there's cha- there'll be changes in the weeks to come, I'm sure of that, there might be a tendency to grumble at times. And you might think, oh, I don't know, I liked it better in the old building. I like the green carpet and the stains and the, I liked all of that better. I don't know, you won't grumble about that, but you might grumble about some things. I want to encourage you, bring your questions and queries to us as a team in the right way. Please do that. Don't grumble. But remember your preferences are here God's mission is here and and they're going to be things in the years to come that won't be there'll be things that I think that's not my preference if I could have it there would be some sort of early 2000s worship songs and there'll be this that and the other you know my era almost you know and I'll be thinking I don't get this whatever they're doing here my preference is down here God's mission is up here let's remember that friends let's remember that in the weeks to come let's keep what he has called us to do central pointing people to the good shepherd and finally we need workers who pray we are needy people I want to let you in on a secret I am not very clever (laughs) and Mark's not very clever either (laughs) we've got one elder on the team who's a lawyer I mean that's pretty good but that's about it we're not that clever we don't have the resources and the 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 kind of wisdom naturally to kind of do all of this 
It's not like we can just make all of this happen. We, we need God to move. We need him to move in power. I, I, I've got asked 20 odd questions this week. I have got no answers to those questions about things we're going to do in the weeks to come. I've got no answers. But I do have a weapon at my disposal which is more potent than any intellect and it's, it's the weapon of prayer. I can lay a hold of God and ask things of him and see him do mighty things. Prayer is our biggest weapon. And Jesus says here, pray to the Lord of the harvest that the workers might be raised up. And we need to pray, friends. We really need to pray. And uh, this is hot off the press because we just literally decided this yesterday. We're going to pray a couple of times this week. You may not be able to make it. It's very late notice. We're going to pray on Tuesday morning from 9.15 to about 10.15 here. Doors will open at 9. That's in the morning. Some of you, that won't be accessible. We're going to pray Sunday evening from 8 till 9.30. I ha- it's so hot off the press, we haven't even talked to the musicians or the, or the PA guys to see if we can have music. We may not have music. That's fine, because we're going to pray. Yeah. And we're going to pray that God would do a huge work through our church and in this town and through our church in other places. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that he would come in great power. And I'd love for you to come. Maybe you've never prayed in a prayer meeting before. Maybe you think, I couldn't think of anything more boring than a prayer meeting. Come along and, and, and see that it will, be, it will be so powerful as we call upon God together. We need to pray. Let's ramp up. Our, even if you can't make those times, let's ramp up our prayers in the weeks to come. Let's pray as we rise in the morning. Pray, God, would your kingdom come in Ipswich? Will people come to know you as their king? Would you do it? Listen, I, I know that this has been, a, I guess, a little bit in-house this morning. I don't, I don't apologize for that. It's, we're we're in, a, in a big season for us as a church. I guess the next couple of Sundays, we're going to be readying us more for this big move. But I want you to know something today. If you are here this morning and you've never once considered these things, you've never been in church before, maybe you've never even thought maybe there might be a God and somehow you found yourself here today, I need you to know that there can be an end to all your wanderings and confusion and helplessness. There can be an end to it. You can meet the Good Shepherd today. You can meet Jesus today. You can know him. You can know your sins forgiven. You can know your conscience cleansed. You can know life in all its fullness. You can know great adventure with him. You can know him today. He's the good shepherd who sacrificed his life for the sheep. He went to the cross. And the Bible says that that it was no sort of accident. It It was the plan of God for the salvation of the world. It wasn't just a, a good guy that got misunderstood who accidentally ended up being on the cross. No, no, no. It was, this was the plan of God, that he might receive upon him on the cross the punishment that our wrongdoing and wrong thinking and wrong speaking deserve. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've all fallen short of our own standards, have we not? We've fallen short of his glorious standard. And he stepped down low. He stepped down low. He didn't wait for us to get our act together, sort ourselves out, dust ourselves down. No, he came down low. And he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, that we might know forgiveness eternally for everything we've ever done wrong. And eternal life with him. And, and, and life to the full in this life. It's not some 
pie in the sky when I die deal. No, this is about now as well. And I want to pray in just a moment. And maybe you'd like to pray with me and put things in your own words in your heart. And if you've prayed, you've given your life to Jesus, I'd love you to let me know by raising your hand. We'll have everyone's eyes closed. Uh, Tim, who's one of the other elders with me, will have his eyes open just so we can come and find you after to chat with you, help you in your next steps, which would be baptism. If you give your life to Jesus, your next step is baptism. It's not a sort of wait to a certain point. No, no, you get baptized. You believe and you get baptized. We want to help you in that next step. Should we stand where we are? I want to just pray for us. And uh, as I say, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now for those that maybe need to respond to this Jesus for the first time. And then I'm going to pray for us as a church. Maybe you'd just like to make this prayer your own prayer if you want to give your life to Jesus now. Lord Jesus, I recognize that all my life I've been stumbling from one thing to another that I thought was going to be the right thing, that I thought was going to be the thing that satisfied. I recognize that I am hopelessly lost and helpless. But Lord Jesus, I recognize and I see today that you are the good shepherd. I see that you're the one who laid down your life for your sheep. I see that you're the one that rose again victorious. And today, I want to give my life to you. Today, I want it to be all about you. And I want you to come and forgive me and cleanse me and give me new life. Amen. If you've prayed that, just everyone's eyes closed. Please, would you just raise your hand really high so that I can see you. So that I can help follow up afterwards and talk with you. Wonderful. There may be others as well. Maybe you just today, no, I just need to give my life to this Jesus. Wonderful. Praise God. It's going to take you on an adventure. <laughs> Turn your life around bit by bit. Praise God. Let me just pray for us as a church just in response to what we've dived into today. Father, we thank you today. You're the never-changing God. And whilst there's many changes ahead of us in the weeks to come, we praise you that you never change and that you're with us and that you're for us. Lord, we thank you so much. I pray that you would come and do a work in our hearts, Lord, where Maybe for some, it's a resetting of expectations that we'd believe you again for great things. Maybe for some, it's a, a laying down of preferences now. Maybe even you want to name some things before God and say, I, I, I just don't want that to get in the way of what you're doing, Lord. I lay some things down. Father, I pray where maybe comfort is an idol or we just want it to be our own way and our own pace. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be rid of the, the idol of comfort. Help us to put it to death, Lord. We don't want to be those that, that live for comfort. And I pray, Father God, that you'll help us to be men and women of compassion. Why don't you just pray that out loud where you are. Just say, Lord, I want to be a man. I want to be a woman of compassion. I want to look upon this world and see these people as people that you have made. And that your, your image is in them. 
and that you want them to know you. I pray you'll help me, Lord, to know your compassion. I don't want to ever stink like a judgmental Christian. I want to be one that walks with the love of Jesus in my heart. I want to call people to the good shepherd. God, do that in my heart, I pray. Would you, would you wow us in the months to come? Would you help us to like make invites, Lord, far and wide to those who need to come and meet you? I pray. Let us see you do an extraordinary thing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.